Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sarah Fisher Talks Connective Parenting. I am really excited to be back with you for the third series of the podcast. When I started this a year ago, I honestly didn't know how it would go. I didn't know if people would be interested, if people would listen, what the thoughts would be, all of those things. And I have been blown away by the lovely comments from so many people Um, of how helpful they find the podcast. And this series, I am answering your questions. So I put a message in my Facebook groups and said, what topics do you want me to cover? And unsurprisingly, I suppose I was inundated with requests for topics to cover and areas to think about. And that's what I'm going to be doing in this series, working through all of those to hopefully cover everything you want me to cover. Although I'll be honest, It's probably going to take another series as well. There were quite a lot of ideas in there, but we'll get through as many as we can this time. As with the previous episodes of the series, I purposely keep each um, episode short because I know that as a parent, I'm really busy. I don't have time always to listen to really long episodes of podcasts. That's not to say that I don't and that I don't think they are really valuable and I, you know, I love listening to them. But I want to keep these short. So if you are out for a walk for 20 minutes or waiting for your kids, you've got time to listen to them. And obviously some are slightly longer, but rarely are we more than 45 minutes just to give you more opportunity to listen to them as much as you can. So I hope that is working for you. So I'm going to start this week's, um, well, this series off really with talking about what is MVR and connective parenting. And this is one of the questions that I got asked in my free Facebook group. Could I kind of give everybody an overview of what the approach is, where it's come from, how you use it? So that's what I'm going to do today. MVR as an approach was created by um, Haim Omar, who is um, Israeli, as it happens. And he wanted to help parents to feel back in control, to manage challenging behaviours, to resist challenging behaviours and ultimately stop them. And he took this approach from the socio-political version that was used by Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, people like that who brought around huge change without recourse to violence. And he adapted that approach to be used within a family setting. It's now used in many different countries around the world, And not just actually in family settings, it's been adapted. So it's also used in offices, it's used by the Israeli army, for example, it's used by the police in the UK um, to resist gang violence, it's used in sexual exploitation, it's used in domestic violence situations, and of course it's used in families. I think, for me, one of the most... um, wonderful things about this approach is it can be used by anybody in any situation. So I have used this with other adults as much as I've used this as a parent. And yes, I found the approach because I needed it within my family setting. But it's become now a way of life and a way that I try and approach everything. Now, I'm not perfect. I don't always manage it. It doesn't mean that I get it right 100% of the time. Of course I don't. But as much as possible, it is my ethos and my approach to life. And the more I've done that, the easier it has been to use because it comes much more second nature and the bigger the impact it's had on my family. 
Um, and ultimately, as, as a parent, as a mum, that's what I wanted to do, to create a really strong bond with my son and to help him to grow into the amazing young man that he is growing into. And I think I came at this, or I, I found out about it, when things were very difficult in our family life. And it really did change things. It's not a magic wand. It doesn't change things overnight. It took, you know, months of hard work to get there, but we have. And, you know, I don't recognise the family life that I have now compared to the one that we had five years ago, for example. And at the time, I didn't believe this would kind of be possible in many ways. And it is, you know, our family life isn't perfect. We still have arguments. I still row with my son sometimes, but on the whole, it's really, really good. So what is this approach? It is a way of connecting with our children. And we use, um, a variety, there are different parts of the approach. And I'm going to start with what I call the central pillar. And that is parental presence. We use our presence as parents to help our children to connect with them and to resist the challenging behaviours. And when we think about presence, we are thinking about the image they have of us in their minds, how we connect with them, how we see ourselves as parents. And it's not about trying to force them to change. We know we can't do that. We can't force anybody to change. But we can think about how we react and interact with them and how we resist challenging behaviours to bring around a change in how they respond to us. And that's the important part. It's also arguably the hardest part. We as parents have to think about our own responses and our own reactions and whether they are actually helping us to change things or hindering it. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't resist behaviours. Of course we should. That's the underlying basis of MVR and one of its key you know, aspects. But at the same time, sometimes our own responses actually escalate a situation further. And so one of the key things we're thinking about with the whole of MVR and connective parenting is how do I respond to my child to meet the unmet need that is coming out in this challenging behaviour, in this anger, in this aggression, in this defiance, for example? How do I help them to meet that need and ultimately help them not need this behaviour over the longer term? And we do that by raising our presence. It's not a quick thing. It will take time. And when I say presence, we are thinking about it in terms of the quality of time you spend with your child, not the quantity. So it's very easy to be with our children all day, every day. Um, I'm recording this while England is in a lockdown. So I am literally with my son 24-7. Well, I'm in the same house. And quite often we're in the same room, but doing other things, different things. So he only has part of my attention. With this, we are saying or trying to get to the point where whether we are with them or not, they have a positive image of us in their mind. And we can do that in different ways. And I will talk about that in a later podcast in different ways that we can raise our presence. But one of those ways is by spending quality time with them, ideally on a daily basis, where they have our undivided attention. 
Now, I'm not talking about all day, every day. That's not practical. But maybe five minutes at bedtime, you sit down and you do something with them. You read them a story. You chat to them about their day. You watch the YouTube video they're watching, whatever it is. But you give them your undivided attention. And that's hugely powerful in creating connection. And underlying all of this approach is connection. It's creating a strong connection between parent and child. And that's actually why I use the term connective parenting a lot, because I think and I know having talked to other parents, the term MVR doesn't always mean something to them. It can put them off because of the name. And you don't have to be experiencing violence to use this approach. And I think there is a misconception that MVR is just for um, aggressive teenagers. And that's just not the case. So as we're raising our presence, we are connecting with our child in a way that works for them. So whether they are five or 15, the way you connect will be different. But the underlying principle is exactly the same. When we're coming from a place of wanting to create connection and raising our presence. We show our child that we are interested in them that we want to be around them, that we love them, that they deserve to be loved. And that starts to create a shift for them in their minds as well. And it's hugely powerful. And so often, relatively small tweaks, I suppose, in how we spend time with our children can make a big difference to behaviours and to what's happening within the family home. And I know some parents have kind of assumed that maybe their child doesn't want to spend time with them. Oh, they, they, they make it really clear they don't want to spend time with me. Um, you know, they won't do anything I ask. They don't want to connect. Well, maybe that's because they think you don't want to. You know, sometimes just creating that connection in a very short and easy way just opens the door. You know, take them a drink, ask them how their game is going, just put their radio station on when you're in the car with them, all of those things, show them you want to connect with them and they can open doors. And I will never forget on a training day, um, we were talking about this and a mum said, oh, my teenager just doesn't want to talk to me, doesn't want anything to do with me. And I said, send them a text message. Send them a text message now. It was late morning. And I said, just say hi and how's your day going? Something really, you know, very relaxed and laid back. And she sort of looked at me and thought, Clearly she thought I'd gone bonkers or I was nuts, which is, you know, fair enough. Anyway, she came up to me at lunchtime with this big grin on her face and she went, he's responded and said he's okay, And he's asked if I'm okay." And she messaged me later that evening and her son had come straight home from school, which he never used to do. He used to go off with mates first and had said, are you okay, mum, because you messaged me today? And she said, yeah, I just thought I'd check in with you. And she said they had a totally different evening. And yes, of course, that didn't, you know, change everything and make everything perfect for them. Far from it. But it showed her son that she was interested in him. And she had assumed that he didn't want to spend time with her. And he had assumed that his mum didn't want to spend time with him. And it had become a bigger and bigger chasm as time had gone on. And just that reaching out set them on a path to a different type of connection. And that's really what parental presence is. It's creating that connection and showing them that you are there for them and that you're interested in them and that you love them. And it's hugely powerful. 
Parental presence is one of the aspects of MVR. And for me, this approach is a framework that we adapt to meet the needs of every child. There is no one size fits all. And if anybody tells you that there is a one size fits all approach, I don't believe that's right. Um, Every child in the same way that every adult is different. And what works with one child may not work with another child in exactly the same way. It might, but it may not. And we have to think, you know, our children are different individuals and therefore they're going to need potentially slightly different things. That being said, the approach of MVR and connective parenting will work with every child and in every family. I don't know any families where it hasn't worked. Some, yes, it's worked quite quickly and others it's taken a lot longer for various reasons. But that doesn't mean it's not going to work. It means we have to dig in and keep working with it. The other thing about MVR is it doesn't mean that your child may not need therapy. So, for example, if they have a trauma background, MVR will work phenomenally well to help them to create a connection with you and to feel safe. But they will still most likely need therapy to help them deal with the trauma that they've gone through. And MVR will work very well with virtually all therapies. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, actually, um, on the assumption that they are not traditionally based kind of rewards and consequences approach. So I think that's the next key thing to be thinking about with MVR. It is focused on connection. It's not focused on rewards and consequences. We use our presence and raising our presence to create the change rather than using, you know, reward charts and um, imposed consequences like, I don't know, the naughty step and grounding, for example. So as long as everything you're doing is in line with that, you will start to see change over time. And it really does work. I work with children, well, with, I work with parents, but parents have children with on the autistic spectrum, with ADHD, with FASD, um, with attachment needs, with sensory needs and and neurotypical children. And this approach works. It absolutely works. And I am so, so passionate about it. I've seen the changes made to our family and, you know, working with other families and seeing the change. It is amazing. So if you're in any doubt, jump into my free Facebook group and I share tips and ideas in there and come and learn more. So I've talked about that central pillar and how we really bring about change with MVR. We do it through raising our presence and through creating connection. And on top of parental presence, there are another number of other aspects. And I'm just going to talk through a few of them now to help you think about it in its broadest sense. One of the key parts for me, as well as parental presence, is actually looking after ourselves as parents and I was having a debate with some parents I support in the Connected Parenting Hub about whether actually looking after yourself should be the central pillar. Because if you're not looking after yourself as the parent, as an adult, then the rest of it, even parental presence, is really hard to do. If you are running on empty, if you are exhausted, if you don't have the energy to do anything, if you are struggling to even like your child or be connected with them, You need to look after yourself because it's very hard to create connection when you're feeling like that. 
and it will impact. So self-care is absolutely vital. And no, I'm not saying go and get in a bath with a glass of wine. Of course, that's absolutely fantastic if you want to. Doesn't work for me, I'll be honest. Self-care is whatever works for you. Uh, So I find, you know, having a laugh and joke with my son can make me feel better. Going out for a walk helps me feel better. Eating healthily helps me feel better. Taking some deep breaths, yoga, going for a run. I don't do that very often, but going for a run. Chatting to friends. You know, all of these things count as self-care. And we need to be thinking about all of those things to really help us do every other aspect of NVR. Because one of the key things for me about this approach is it is about us as parents thinking about our own behaviours, our own beliefs, our own triggers, acknowledging those, understanding them, working through them, healing ourselves if we need to in order for us to be able to connect with our children and respond appropriately in those heated moments. When I started working through my own issues and, I, you know, I don't have a huge trauma background or anything like that. But when I started working through my own kind of triggers and understanding those, there was a huge difference in my connection with my son. I was able to stay much calmer because I wasn't being triggered so much. I had slightly different um, beliefs or I understood where some of my beliefs came from. And I was able to release those ones that it was appropriate to release. And so... Self-care isn't just the the emotional and mental health and physical aspect of it, but it's also understanding your own triggers and where they come from. And that makes a huge difference. The next aspect of MVR that I want to mention today is de-escalation or managing those meltdowns. And this is often the thing that I'm asked about most. And when parents come to work with me, whether it's in a group program or one-to-one, this is the bit they want to get to. And I get it. We all do because... So often this is the bit where that's made you seek help. That's made you go, do you know what? I can't do this anymore. I need to get some help. And it's okay to ask for help at any stage. The earlier you do it before you get to crisis, the better, because the quicker we can start changing things. But it doesn't matter when you get help. The most important thing is you get it. And de-escalation is thinking about what do we do in the moment when our child is struggling How do we help meet the unmet need? What do we not do in the moment? And that's just as crucial as what do we do? And what do we do between those meltdowns to help? Now, I've got a previous podcast episode that I will link in the show notes all about de-escalation. So you can have a listen to that um, if you want to. There's also some training courses on my website you can access that I think are about £6 um, to get lots of really in-depth information about it. But I think this is one of the most powerful aspects of it. And because we don't use um, rewards or imposed consequences, it can feel a bit like you kind of letting your child get away with it. But you're not. It's what you do in the moment. What you don't do is really important. And then how you manage it afterwards through what we call the deferred conversation, which is an incredibly powerful conversation Uh, looking at how we can help our child to understand themselves and how we can help them meet those unmet needs so that they don't need to respond um, or use certain behaviours in the future to help themselves. And it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. But it comes from raising our presence as well. 
the stronger the connection we have with our child, the more powerful those deferred conversations are. Some of the other aspects we look at are things like reconciliation gestures, which is showing your child you love them irrespective of the behaviour. We prioritise what we're going to deal with first. So we don't put boundaries in for the sake of boundaries. We decide where we're going to put our energy first and what we're going to focus on. And we take it from there. These baskets are incredibly important and really, really valuable uh, in terms of taking the pressure off, but also moving us and our family forward and creating that happier, calmer uh family life that we want so it does work very effectively another aspect of this approach is looking at supporters and having people around us who get us who understand our children and who genuinely care for us and our our kids and our family and I think that you don't have to have supporters to use this approach I started off without any obvious supporters Um, But it absolutely helps. And it's also important to know that your supporters don't need to be immediate family if they're not the right people. And sometimes they're not for a whole variety of different reasons. Those are all the relationship parts of MVR that we use to really strengthen the relationship between the parent and the child. And in the vast number of cases where I'm working with families, using those bits helps us see huge change within a family setting and where there are you know uh, extremely challenging behaviors we can really really reduce those as long as as well as rather um reducing things like defiance and the need for control particularly when you align that with therapy for the individual child it's very very effective for those where the behaviors may be more embedded or we need something a little stronger We have the announcement and the sit-in, which we can use to really show the child that we are actively protesting their behaviour. And I'm not going to talk about those today, but I will do a podcast on those um, in the future. I'm always slightly hesitant, if I'm honest, about telling parents about the announcement and the sit-in because I don't want anybody rushing to them because they're not as powerful if you haven't built some of the relationship up first and if you do them too quickly, too frequently, those types of things. So I think it's really focused on the relationship aspects of the approach. So hopefully this has given you an overview of MVR, of connected parenting. It really is about creating a connection with your child, helping them to understand themselves, helping them to learn how to express themselves in a way that is safe for them and those around them and really creating strong bonds with them so that they know they can come and talk to you about whatever it is that they've got going on. And that's not always easy. Actually, it's often not easy, certainly to start with. It does take work on the behalf of you as the parent. You know, your child does not need to engage in this approach for it to have an impact over time. If they don't want to engage, for example, they won't go to therapy or they're not talking to you. Over time, things will start to change and you will notice changes when you change the way you react and interact with them. And I think that's the really important part. You as the parent are kind of in charge of this. You're responsible. If you're willing to put in 
the time and the effort, this approach will work. And I know that as a parent caring about your child, you're always willing to, you know, do whatever it takes to help your child. Um, And I do believe that this approach is hugely, hugely powerful. So as I've said, if you would like to come and join us in my free Facebook group, if you're not in there already, um, you're more than welcome. I share tips and hints and ideas in there to help you with the approach. We've also got a lot of training available in the Connective Parenting Hub and you can get support from me kind of whenever you need it, as well as access to other experts and trainings and lots of other things in there as well. So you're welcome to join um, either of those if you would like to. The Hub is a paid membership, um, but there's also a free Facebook group that you can access. So I hope this has given you uh, an idea of the approach and helped you understand it a little bit more. I look forward to coming back to you next week when we're going to look at how do we get started with this approach? Where's the best place to start? And I will share some tips and ideas to get you started. So that is all for this week. I look forward to seeing you next week on the next episode of Sarah Fisher Talks Connective Parenting.